And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon whatever the case may be, wherever you are on this rotating globe. Welcome to another edition of The Other Side of Midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn, when just about anything can happen. And of course, now that ancient truism has been synopticated. Is that a word? Synopticated? Hmm, should be. Um, to include 24-7, so whenever the show was on, it would be obviously in its appropriate time slot. However, there is something about the night. It's like you can get clarity. There's There's less noise, more people, even on a planet of 24-7, are asleep, at least in uh, this hemisphere. And, and that seems to, you know, seems to have some kind of an effect. You know, it's it's definitely uh, somewhere in the field. Anyway, um, we have as our guest the first hour uh, tonight to talk about this extraordinary hinge moment in history that we're all going through. Can you imagine what it must be like to be a professor of Russian history, specifically Russian military history. And as the last death pangs of something lurking from the 20th century, you are, as an historian, chronicling real changed history that's going to determine life on and off the earth for the next 100 years. And you're an historian, and... This is your moment. Well, that's the moment we're going to talk about tonight with Dr. Richard Spence, because um, of all the people I can think of that would be more appropriate to talk to at this moment, in this moment in time, I can think of none better than Rick Spence. And then we're going to have some other uh, surprises a little later in the, in the program. Um, we start for all you new listeners, and I know you're out there. I, I see you peeking around the fins. Okay, come on, come on, come on out there. Come on, come on, come on. You go, all came over from George. You know, the one I did a couple, three weeks ago, I wound up doing George's show for the first time in seven years. And I'm going to say it right flat out. If anybody is curious, you can send me an email. I'll give you some details. But I absolutely know 100% guaranteed, scientific, take it to the bank, dead drop certain I know who arranged that on her anniversary. And I've got the evidence. And in this time when there's so little to hang on to, that's a very, very important piece of evidence to hang on to. So for all you new listeners, um, you've arrived at the other side of midnight.com. You want to uh, click on tonight's banner, uh, which says rather uh, forlornly, uh, in a certain way of speaking, um, what could come next with uh, uh, President Zelensky and President Putin there in a graphic which really demonstrates this incredible moment that I never thought in my lifetime we would return to, which only goes to show that history, if it does not repeat, it certainly seems to come in waves. And I'm going to talk with Rick about that when we get there. Anyway, um, that's the banner. Click on the banner. That will take you to the guest page. Right under the guest page, you will see 
my name where it says fast links to items click on that that takes you to my items in radio with pictures we're leading the news tonight with the same uh, uh, two stories we have for the last several weeks uh, once the uh, national aeronautics and space administration successfully launched on christmas morning this amazing advance in astrophysics in cosmology in deep time in probing the origins of humanity in finding out if there's other members of humanity out there you name it web will tackle it in one way or another so those two first links in my radio with pictures uh, for the last several weeks related to web first one is a new milestone uh, the alignment of the 18 sub mirrors into one super mirror has now been successfully accomplished so you can click on that and that will take you through a very interesting story item number two is kind of like a, uh, a standard fare where is web tonight looking at where the orbit is what the instrumentation status is etc cetera, etc cetera. item number three um overshadowed totally by this incipient razor blade tippy tip knife edge precipice we're clinging to are we or are we not going to like world war one inadvertently step into world war three because um it, it carries extraordinary perilous risks i love people in the news say well the risks are you know the risks are everything all or nothing you bet the farm so and this is a something we must grapple with anyway overshadowed by all of this real politic news east versus west russia versus nato ukraine you know against the bully there was this news story item number three nasa rolled out to the pad in the last few days the um, full-up artemis rocket and spacecraft which is going to take um, three astronauts back to the moon the first woman to the moon the first uh, astronaut of color to the moon opening up the artemis program which is of course named after the sister of the uh, greek god of the moon um, apollo so this new program is artemis named after his sister and it's been building and building and building for decades now Finally, as of a few days ago, it's all been assembled, the rocket, the boosters, the spacecraft, on the gantry, on the rolling crawler, which takes it out to the launch pad. And uh, it was moved there. It's un going to undergo, in the next few days, uh, what's called countdown demonstration tests, where they do everything, fuel the rocket, load the propellants, you know, do everything prior to what they would do prior to an actual launch and they come down in the count to about 10 seconds and they say stop so they get right down to 10 seconds of launch the actual launch of artemis one which will be uncrewed there'll be no astronauts aboard just mannequins and a lot of uh, sensors uh, feeding back through the loops um, on this mission this mission is going to take the full up Orion spacecraft and the Artemis rocket, uh, the Space Launch System, SLS, 
in a full-up test sometime around June. They're now looking for that first um, test which where the uh, rocket will drive the spacecraft into a distant orbit of the moon, the farthest that uh, a man-made spacecraft uh, aimed for lunar exploration has reached uh, since uh, the end of the um, uh, polyphorum, which is about 50 years ago. We're in the window now. So in that window, uh, the beginning of a stunning new um, unveiling of who we really are is going to occur. And of course, right as this unveiling is going to start, what should happen? Oh, there comes another pesky world war. Oh my gosh. Anyway, without further ado, let me introduce uh, my first guest of the evening. Um, uh, Rick has been on many, many times. He is the uh, was a professor of history at University of Idaho. His interests include Russian and military history along with espionage, occultism, anti-Semitism. His major published works include Boris Savinkov, Renegade on the Left, Trust No One, The Secret World of Sidney Riley, Secret Agent 0066, Aleister Crowley, British Intelligence and the Occult, and Wall Street and the Russian Revolution, 1905 to 1925. And you can go and read the rest of uh, uh, Rick's bio there on the other side of midnight. So without further ado, Dr. Spence, come on down. Here's a big message. Thank you. Oh. Whoops. <laughs> That was Ron. Yeah, that's not me. <laughs> that, no, that was Ron on the other line. I guess we're going to okay. have to get him back. So, Rick. Um. Okay. Yes. The worst. The worst. Glad of, to be here. Huh, the worst of all possible worlds. We last talked about this as a potential situation uh, several weeks ago. I think it was in January, and here we are now in March. We've got, um, you know, Russia and Ukraine facing off. Really, Russia against the Western Alliance, but of course they're not actively involved yet. And this so resonates to me as the episodes leading up to World War I where the slightest mistake can cascade you into an unimaginable future. Are we that close? Well, I'm not sure that that comparison holds up on close examination. Because it's, I mean, there is this idea that I think you were sort of mentioning in a, a few minutes ago, and this, it, it's fairly common that, that somehow, you know, Europe stumbled into World War One. There was some sort of accident, and, and uh, you know, this was, you know, somehow people woke up one morning and they found out that everybody was at war. And I don't really think that's the way that it happened at all. Um, there were circumstances that were created that people reacted to. Okay, there's the old saying, you can't control what happens to you. The only thing you can control is how you react to it. So there were things that happened in Europe in 1914. Most notably, the, the, the key event, the one that's always said that started the war, was the assassination of the Austro-Hungarian Archduke Franz Ferdinand in Sarajevo. That story goes on again. And somehow, because this guy was shot, and a... An Austro-Hungarian archduke was shot by a Serbian nationalist terrorist. That that then somehow turned into the actual the first declaration of war being between major powers being between Germany and Russia. So other countries became involved in this, but this wasn't accidental. It was because of a situation that 
required some type of response or, or enacted a response, and people made decisions consciously, knowing that they were pushing the situation. Well, see, through. I see that pattern playing out, and I'll tell you, the, the thing that struck me about this war, I mean, I don't know how many wars you lived through. You know, together, we're roughly the same age, and when I last counted, there was something like 147 declared wars going on on the planet right now. We're only hearing about the big one, but the others have been going on for decades. So, um, here's, here's the question. This somehow feels different. And I'll give an example. Um, a few days ago, three heads of state from Poland, Slovakia, and I, 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 maybe Lithuania, all got on a train, went to Kiev, met with the, the president of, of uh, uh, Ukraine, advertised 24 hours ahead of the event that they were going, showed up, made themselves incredible sitting ducks for a Archduke Ferdinand II moment, where Putin takes out three heads of state by lobbing a cruise missile into that, that train. And none of it makes any sense. There we go. Well, why would it make any sense for Putin to kill three heads of state who are, who are paying a state visit? What would he possibly have to gain by that? Because the only way he's going to rescue himself now is if this becomes a war between him and NATO. At home, <sighs> his fate is hanging by a thread. He's got to turn this into part of his years-long drumbeat of written documentation of his mindset. He must focus on the West as the enemy, and this Ukraine business has merely been a prelude to his real, quote, enemy, so he stays where he is. The West is the enemy. Hasn't everything, including Joe Biden's statement, that Putin should be overthrown. I mean, here's a, here's a leader of one country basically standing in the public saying another another uh, another ruler has no rights. Room should be removed. Well, at what point should they that make, make a sweeping at, godlike statement? At that what in some point, way he Rick, stands Rick, on the Rick? He can make these kind of Rick, decisions. That, he, that they're, they're Rick, at war. They Rick, are the enemy. Rick, he is deliberately <laughs> bombing thousands of civilians daily now. Oh, that's how do you know that? It's called social media. There's so uh, many cameras looking at so many things yes. that's available. And, and you've, you've actually seen thousands of dead civilians. Given how cities are packed, it's, I can't help but feel they cannot still be alive. Are they packed? How many people have evacuated Kiev? Well, in Kiev, it, it's a city of almost 3 million, 2.8. About a yeah. million people have left, leaving almost 2 million people in Kiev. Do we know that exactly? Who cares about exact I numbers? I mean, look, it's the, the, the first casualty of, of any business. war is truth, all right? And, and, and it's... So you're defending what Putin the, is doing. There are propaganda... Let's, let's cut to now. the chase. Are you defending what Putin is doing? I'm, I'm saying he's not. There's no proof that he's doing it. That's like the statement of when did you stop beating your wife? So you basically think that everything we're seeing is I fiction. don't know. I don't know. And I'm not going to... There's, there's far too much media manipulation and propaganda. The first casualty of any war is the truth. 
And therefore, that's the I don't know exactly what's going on. And I don't trust any particular the sources of information are all contaminated. Well, then you were in a, a state of paralysis, analysis paralysis. Well, I'm not jumping to conclusions. And I also am not taking sides, which you obviously have. I'm kind of against genocide, yeah. What genocide? Where do you think four million now, that, Ukrainians are fleeing from if it's not genocide? That, you, know, <laughs> you know how much it takes to drive someone out of refugees, their home? Re- refugees, well, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a complete hyperbolic statement. I mean, this is, so, this is why I think this is a difficult <laughs> subject to talk about when things are going on. And, uh, you know, why, why I think it's kind of pointless to argue perceptions of reality. Okay, you, uh, basically, Rick, decide, you basically decided what reality is. No, I'm watching data. No. That's what decides what reality no, is. No, you're watching television. <laughs> it's not data. And the television is what? Making up all these videos. They're literally got a studio, some backlot somewhere, and they're cranking out horrible visions again and again and again on a mass scale, an industrial-level scale. Or an industrial-level scale. Is the, is the simpler explanation that a lot of people now have smartphones and there's a thing called yes. the Internet and they're showing us reality like we've never seen it before. It's Vietnam well, on they're steroids. Showing, they're, they're, they're showing you something. You know, I... I All I those really burned and smashed buildings... I don't buildings. really think that this is a, this is a profitable... Okay, this is exactly the type of thing that I don't want to be drawn into. I don't want to make predictions about something that is ongoing. I don't know what's happening. I don't trust the sources of information. And you've basically taken a side. You've taken a position. You have, you have accepted a narrative, and everything that fits that narrative is what you will believe, and anything that doesn't fit the narrative is what you'll reject. Did or did not Putin invade So I'm not really sure that we have anything further to talk about. Well, that's an interesting thing. You you want to leave the show. Well, why don't you suggest something that you think could be uh, profitably served in the next 40 minutes? Uh, Richard, could I throw in a question? Yeah, sure. If you uh, Rick, uh, to Rick, Rick, what's your comment on the fifteen uh, generals, et cetera, that have um, died, been run over by their own men with a tank, or committed suicide in the case of the latest one? Is it, is it fifteen? Earlier today, the number was seven. How did that magically jump to fifteen? I could send you a link. Uh, the Daily Mail's been a pretty neutral adver- observer of this sort of thing. The, a, a British tabloid newspaper has been a neutral observer. Uh, okay, that's a cheap shot against them. They've been doing good journalism. No, that, that's that's a perfectly honest shot against them. Uh, well, they do so, cover the royal. Fa- rate, they do cover the royals, um, like any I, British I'm paper. Sure, but this is know, news. This now, really, don't deflect. Do you yeah. think those generals exist now? Alive or not? I don't know. Do you? Uh, well, when you have two or three separated sources that say, "Yeah, okay, they're dead," and the uh, the latest report that came out of an oversight committee 
that uh, supposedly is run by the Russians discovered that one of the reasons that the one committed suicide a couple of days ago is that he's the head of a tank battalion, and he discovered that 90 percent of their reserve tanks, which Putin told him to go roll out and add to the fray, uh, were inoperable because they had all been cannibalized for parts while they sat in the warehouse. Putin told him this personally. A general uh, of a tank battalion had a personal conversation and was told this personally by, by Vladimir Putin. So there's been no deaths and no explosions, and Putin's not really on the air. He's a, uh, he's a simulacrum created by fake news uh, image propaganda? I don't quite understand. You have to start somewhere, and then you figure out whether the people are telling you accurately no, or you not. No, you basically made a statement that this man had been told. You said that he was told by Vladimir Putin that this was going to. So you have presumed that there was a meeting or some direct communication between them, which you have Right, told. and I don't know the details of it, but no, the story... No, you don't know the details. You don't know anything. <laughs> really? Not knowing the details is some... not equivalent to not knowing anything. You, you know right, better um, than that. You know better than that. I, I think I, I think I'm pretty much finished here. So, Rick, I asked you if you would take the conversation in the direction you thought was more profitable. Yeah, no, I'm done. All right. Awesome. Good night. Good night, Doctor. Ron. Did we lose Ron? Keith? Did we lose Ron? Hmm. Here's a big message. Thank you. Keith, are you there? Hello, hello. I am seeing very weird things on this board, but I'm not hearing anybody. Hello. Hello. Please leave a message after the tone. Leave a message after the tone. We're having a meltdown. <laughs> yeah, your video is on too. All right, we are on the air. Hello? Keith? Hang on, Hang on, Rich. Yeah, we're going out live, you know. All right, let me get a hold of Ron and get a hold of Timothy. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. I'll tell you what, let me, let me, uh, I have some creepy music that I can actually use to cover uh, this moment with. So let's do this, okay? Um, nah, I don't want to do this. I want to do this. Okay. Everyone can guess where this comes from. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hogan. We're going to fix a 
couple of technical glitches, and we shall return again. Він пише про любов, але в твоїх очах дощить І ти не знаєш, як припасти йому до душі Не навчив СОС прокричі Мрії сльозами перетворюються на вірші Та ти не знаєш від кохання, де знайти ключі Не мовчи, не мовчи Може доля не твоя, може він не твій Маяк, мрій кохання не малюй Ай мала танцюй, танцюй За світанком день обіймай мене Люди скажуть фейк, ти забудь про це Ай мала не плач, завтра все мине And welcome back, everyone, on this uh, very tumultuous Saturday night. It's March 26th here in the Western Hemisphere, and I have just had a guest uh, figuratively walk uh, out on me, someone who's been a guest many, many times, multiple times, a really invaluable, very uh, uh, important guest who has provided very important commentary and background detail to our efforts to try to figure out history. And for some reason, um, the subject of the Ukraine war has touched uh, some very hot buttons, and uh, he said that uh, he could not continue with the conversation, and, and he left. 
Uh, Ron, are you with us? Ron? Ron's here. Bitch. There we are. Okay, yeah. I got the right. Okay. Yes, I'm here. There Sorry to are. kill another guest. Yeah. Oh, I think he'll be back. Yeah. I just find oh, it I, so interesting I, that, that people. I mean, we have not had, we have not had this such black and white situation, in global affairs, since World War II, since Hitler invaded, you know, the Sudetenland, since that debacle went down in terrible flames because. People were paralyzed to do anything until it was too late. I mean, I keep seeing these echoes of history, but I guess uh, Rick did not want to grapple with the obvious, overwhelming, uh, brutal behavior of a current head of state in literally pounding the rubble and civilians into, into, into dust. And how he can say to me on the air live, well, how do you know anybody's died? I mean, you either have to believe that all these separate videos are filming the same gestalt, or you have to create such an extraordinarily detailed, multi-level, complex conspiracy involving infinite resources and cameras and studios and the ability to fake anything um, that, you know reality itself just becomes a kind of a moot point. And what about all those people that we've seen on scene? You know, all the all the stringers, all the all the movie stars that are at the Polish sites helping with the refugees and all that other stuff. I mean, that's an awful lot of people to manufacture out of thin air to prove something that imaginary See, is actually this is happening. Where, this is where, remember, I have been looking, and this is why I'm really uh, unhappy that Georgia could not be with us tonight. Georgia is down with some kind of a stomach thingy, so uh, she will be back, but uh, she couldn't be on the air tonight. I wanted Georgia on to talk about the fact that this era, this this time we're going through, this this history we're watching unfold in real time right in front of us is echoing my reading of ancient sacred texts that are countless thousands of years old and bespeak to a time when people who used to speak, and this is all in terms of metaphors, the same language, literally could not communicate with each other. And I'm, I'm watching a situation where even sober, serious, accredited professors of history cannot watch this history unfolding and even begin to admit to some very simple black and white truths. There's a good guy in this fight and a bad guy. And it's not hard to tell the difference. You don't have to, you know, do a lot of standing on your head on one, you know, finger to actually determine what is right and what is wrong in this situation. And I think we're going to blow past the break at the bottom of the hour. Ron, that was a lot of, of, of response. So whatever you want to, want to you know, come back at. Oh, uh, no, I'm fine with that. I'm just uh, I'm just surprised that he um, walked away like that. I would because all I wanted was his sources. You know, I offered him a link to mine. It's not like the only place I've seen anything. You've known me long enough to know that I always want at least three sources for anything that I come up with. I give everybody else a hard time about that off the air. Um, but, can you guys hear? Can, yes, you, can you hear me? 
Yeski, we can hear you. When I did the replay last week, um, when we had to postpone. By the um, way, uh, by the way, before I forget, can you kill your camera? My camera's yeah, on. Yeah, it's on. Oh. It's been on for hours. Okay. I keep sending you notes. There, it's gone. Uh, in the in the replay of his last show, he did he did uh, say that he didn't think Putin was going to invade. That wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So. And I suspected it was going to happen. And it was like we left it there, and now we're back three weeks later, four weeks later, however long it's been. It feels like forever, but it's been four weeks since the war started. And he was on days before the war started. And now we're in a new situation. To deny that Vladimir Putin, with the might of Russia, the second largest army on the planet, did not invade this little tiny you know, community called Ukraine, it's like it it it's it's nuts to think that all that destruction, all that deliberate bombardment of civilians, the population, not the Ukrainian military, but the population, just to kill as many people as possible and to drive them out uh, of, of 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 the country, and to not admit that that's the basis of what we're looking at. So you know? we're seeing videos of train loads of people coming out of Ukraine getting away from the conflict but yet none of this is going on oh no they're making all that up that's just all fake news see we are so far beyond the edge of the paper when it comes to you know because remember way back when you guys won't remember this but i've been on the air since before he was elected i watched very carefully all of the bizarre statements out of donald trump and when he was there in kansas city and he made that speech about don't believe reality, just believe in me. I knew we were involved in an archetypal struggle for how do you know what you know? That epistemological foundation. How do you believe or trust in anything? There's got to be an edifice you've created in your mind with all the traps, all the dead snares, all the blind canyons, all the filters you put information through so that at the end of that process, even if you're not aware of it consciously, you've applied some process to what you're getting in. You balance sources. You look at social media. You look at, you know, who puts in a... If, uh, what's her name? Sophie, what's her name from the former Soviet Union post something? You don't put any credence in that at all. In other words, this, this is an experience-based appreciation of the world and to put his current reality through that entire process which he has codified as a professional in the field academic historian for him to basically sit here on the air and say you know Putin's not invaded anything and there's nobody dying in Ukraine it's 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 beyond words it's beyond my power of description well he implied that he didn't he didn't uh he he would uh he would i think say that well no i'm just saying that we can't know you know but he's he's acting like a caricature of a college professor i hate to say that but that's uh, but see that's, that's the cartoon character of this whole bizarre reality that we seem to be trapped in well maybe it's because too much is fake and I don't mean in Ukraine. Uh, 
the there is so much that people are just vaguely uncomfortable about just under their own surface of is that the truth or is that really what's happening there and that it's not directed at ukraine for most people you know they say okay i can go along with this people fight this is a war i see the guy on one side i see the guys on the other side something's going on they can st- they can get at least that far and feel comfortable with it which is why people are generally have somewhat more clarity in their attitudes than somebody that's used to just working for modeling, I guess, because uh, it's not that hard to read. It's just surprising how strangely true some of the most extreme possibilities have turned out to be, like the fact that a whole bunch of their of the Russians' equipment seems to be in poor repair or just plain old unavailable. Well, we and did say didn't, weeks that, ago, didn't we, that when you go, remember uh, the McNamara? No, it wasn't McNamara. Who was the McNamara clone that was um, <clears throat> Secretary of Defense under Bush? Um, you go to Army with the, or the war with the Army you have, not yeah, the that, 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 that guy, the that guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was that... Uh, uh, it was the McNamara clone that came... You know the 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 second technocrat to serve as Secretary oh, would, of Defense. You don't mean you don't mean Donald Rumsfeld. Yes, yes, Rumsfeld, the clone of or uh, or as he's called in his hometown of uh, Rancho Santa Fe by some of the people that I knew there, uh, Donald or Ronald Dumsfeld. But uh, they they didn't necessarily agree with him. But uh, <laughs> yeah. That anyway, guy. he uh, brought technocracy to a whole new level in terms of the Pentagon. The first besmircher of this whole concept was, of course, uh, McNamara. Anyway, yeah. be that as it may, um, if you don't believe that all these separate sources frantically putting all these videos showing every possible aspect of this war, including images that cannot be shown on network corporate television, if you think that's all fake, and it's all made up, or your second-level position, oh, no, the bodies are real. It's just the Ukrainians killing each other to make Russia look bad. In other words, if, if you're a tenured yeah. academic and you believe any of that crap, you've lost your mind. And I'm trying to be very respectful. I'm, I'm astonished that Rick Spence could not hold out for an hour and defend whatever, I don't know what his position was, that what Putin did not invade Ukraine. That's what it sounded like, and I I I I was kind of flabbergasted myself. That's why I jumped in. I know I was going to listen. You were uh, giving him a harder time than I had planned to, but you were, uh, uh, which was apparently enough. But he shouldn't have reacted that way. So obviously his own paradigm seems to have been dented, and he doesn't like that. Well, remember weeks ago it's he a- he bet that Putin. This is all bluff. And having read some of Putin, including that 7,000-word essay that he wrote last summer or last fall, it's always nice when you can read in the original typescript what the head of state is actually thinking and saying as opposed to a speech written by somebody on the staff. And Putin fancies himself a writer. He's not, by the way. And his thinking process, as it comes out on the page, can be very disconcerting and very contradictory to, again, most of the tenets that Spence went through with painstaking precision weeks ago laying out as the backdrop to why Putin would think 
he, the state, the, the czar, Putin I, owns Ukraine. And he hasn't been secret. It's like Trump has not been secret about all the weird things he thinks. You know, we're in an era where the weird is just out there and you make your decision not based on is it secret, but is it is it is, is it supported by any other facts. The idea that this war is the West's fault somehow because we were hemming in a more and more paranoid Russia with more and more um, uh, joiners of NATO. I mean, NATO is a defensive bureaucracy. It takes forever to get NATO to make a damn decision about a paperclip, let alone sending, you know, uh, uh, you know, MiGs to, to U- Ukraine in time to make any difference. So the idea that NATO was a threat, the only threat that NATO was a threat to was any Russian head of state's willingness to seek an expansion and a return to the old empire. And what do we find in Putin? There's the guy. And how do we know? Because he wrote about it again and again and again and again, and it would have taken very little for someone to whisper in his ear, okay, now's the time. Putin and, should have joined NATO. He should have had Russia join NATO. And he said, what are they going to do, reject us? And then if anything took place, if Ukraine decided to attack uh, Russia, oh, guess what? NATO's going to have to step in and do something. Or if they don't, then Russia has an open gate to go in and attack Ukraine. But he didn't well, do that. Keith's right on that point. The They want... He apparently wanted to somehow goad NATO into joining the fray, and then he could claim a wider war, which would overwhelm in its significance all of these petty little problems like the fact that their maintenance sucks and people have been stealing behind his back and all the other things that paranoids worry about anyway. Uh, it would have been bigger. You know, this is, oh, this is a world war, but of course I'm the one to lead you. And that's what he was aiming for, but he couldn't pull it off couldn't pull it off. They clearly thought that they would be welcomed, I mean the Russians, with open arms when they got there. At least that's the that way Putin so saw it. That is so crazy. You, even, well, Americans, even Americans that know nothing about where to find Ukraine on a map know at some level there's been a war going on there between Russia and Ukraine for eight years. And that war has been simmering, not because people don't love each other too much, but because they hate each other, and they want power and control of that part of Ukraine, and it's Russia that wants it. So the idea that they were going to be welcomed as liberators was was crazy from the get-go. Yeah, especially since, and I double-checked this again today with some, some of my sources, the people in uh, the Donbass that he said he was going in there to relieve from the uh, enslavement by uh, or whatever the hell the problem was supposed to be. They were the first ones to start shooting at the Russians when they came across the border. Everybody else was willing to stand by and say, well, you don't want to come in here. Let's talk this over. But the ones that started shooting right at them were those very ones that some of the press is accusing of being Nazis and everything else. doesn't matter why. They were the first ones that said, no, you're Russians. We don't want you here. Go away. Had nothing to do with their language. And that's been distorted in the news apparently somewhat. But, uh, Okay, 
okay, I can take that either way, but it makes sense. That's an industrial region. Unlike most of Ukraine, which is farmland, it's um, what hasn't been burned to a crisp now. Uh, It's got a bunch of big industry there, and Russia doesn't have any right now. Their economy's in the toilet. They have nothing to export except raw materials, and that's not a good way to live. You know, if you're an oil emirate or something, you don't need anything else. But uh, the uh, for a country like Russia, no, they they used to have manufacturing and all that other stuff, but it never advanced. Well, it was never allowed to advance, and that gets see. I wanted to ask yeah. Rick, as an historian, having yeah. read because I sent him some of the writings as kind of background for the conversation about Putin, things that Putin himself had written over the years. I want to try to find out from, from you know, an academic historian who reads documents and papers and memos and, and email and letters for, for a reason, what he thought was going on in Putin's mind to start the unthinkable, unless he was working on such bad information deliberately fed bad information so this event that makes no sense would inevitably somehow now come about. I just get this feeling that this is, even though the participants are are, are honest about it, it's somehow a manipulated event. Somehow Putin got played. He's gotten played by – and since he's got such a small circle of trust at this point, it's uh, uh, hard to imagine who that was. I have suspicions. Well, that but, gets uh, back to Rumsfeld's you know, line, you know, you go to war with the army you've got. He did not know that the shell that he thought of as the supreme you know, Russian army is right. nothing but a false front Potemkin village. Exactly. Yeah, in fact, thanks for saying Potemkin. Yes, you bring in the, that's that's where that term comes from. For those and, people who are not historically minded, since we lost our historian for the time being, what was Potemkin, how did a village figure in, in some god-awful war the Russians got involved in, and what was the whole point of it? Ron? Oh, you're, you're, oh, you're asking me? Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I never even saw the movie, but it's the uh, the point is that it's a it's a complete false front. You know, you um, the uh, simpler model of it in modern times, which has been used, we used it in Vietnam. Uh, the various countries have used it various places. You you put up but you put a bunch of cardboard tanks out in the field that can be spotted by the um, airplanes that fly overhead or the satellites higher up and they can't tell the difference if you do a nice job of it and they say oh my goodness they've got thousands of tanks lined up and uh, really they're not that's the simplest uh yeah Potemkin village I think it was a it was a model uh model village set up to give the image of perfection when it was really just fake it was all false fronts I mean, I go back to my central question that Rick did not answer because I don't think there is an answer that keeps us on the edge of the paper. Why did three European heads of state risk everything to go to Kaviv to be there with uh, Zelensky? Why did they I let the world? Why did they let the world know 24 hours ahead of time 
were they bait for Putin and Putin didn't take the bait? Go ahead. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that was. Uh, it's. Uh, it came out of a conversation I had with you uh, the other day about something else. But I said, okay, that fits into there because I know you know that you started right away saying, why did they take a train? Why did they take a train? Well, they're not messing with the trains. So I said, okay, analytically, why are they not messing with the trains? The Russians, I mean. I mean, it's not like they don't have planes and missiles. Um, the, because it's largely farmland. You know, everybody has at least seen the news, which I suppose everyone, even college professors, will accept that the you, uh, that Ukraine is an area that grows an awful lot of wheat and crops that uh, feed a lot of places, including Russia. And uh, the way to get grain to market is to load it onto boxcars or suitable carriers and and use trains. That's what trains are for. Is because you know you can have a train that's six miles long. You know you can carry out you can move a whole bunch of stuff all at once. Well, if they if he wanted to take over the country, to add that to Russia because Russia does they produce a lot of grain as well, but not enough. You know they'd uh, you wouldn't want to destroy the trains. You just have to rebuild them. Uh, yeah, so but that figured, doesn't okay, that doesn't look. You can now with a, with a cruise missile, even the Russian technology. You can yeah. you know, pick the left window as opposed to the right. So you can take out one rail car, do nothing for the track that can't be repaired in an afternoon, and you'd make an incredible statement that they were going to a war council, that they were violating <clears throat> whatever uh, non-aggression pact that Russia thinks it has between it and Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, why advertise? Why make a big fat target? And I still don't have a satisfactory answer because when I pose the same question around Biden doing the same thing, the closest he got to the war zone was on the other side of, of the line in, I think, Warsaw. And the, the Russians this morning attacked uh, you know, some couple of places outside of, Lviv. of yeah. Lviv, which is the closest they could bring the war to, to Poland, to, to NATO without going over the line. So, I mean, it's all about brinksmanship and mine is bigger than yours. And in, in the meantime, thousands of ordinary Ukrainians are dying. And it's, it's, it's such an overwhelming catastrophe that it's just, it's almost like Rick is on overload and he can't see it. Uh, that's probably pretty close. Yeah, he's, uh, some people can't handle having uh bad data you know if you realize that some of your own data is wrong i don't myself i don't mind being wrong but uh i i don't like it but <laughs> it's like oh okay better gotta straighten that out you know but this whole problem of how do you believe what do you believe who do you believe yeah. goes back to nasa's first principle you know the so-called nasa mantra ne never a straight answer no no that oh. was that was the second one the first one was no single point failure. The way you guard against a biased perspective is by looking at multiple sources. And in an era of social media, where you've got an incredibly high-tech society where Elon Musk, with the satellite system, is keeping all these you know, YouTubers on the air, you've got thousands of videos uploaded per day all over Ukraine showing you any facet of the country that you want to look at for as much time as you have to spend looking. And the Gestalt says, 
they're under an incredible invasion by a big brother just across, you know, the, the well, the, actually it's quite far from the Dnieper, you know, over there in that, that yeah. border called Russia. They're the, you know, victims, and Russia's the aggressor, and Putin is the guy doing it, and there's no ambiguity. There's no ambiguity, and for him not to be able to, you know, look at the daylight and the nighttime and say that side is in night and that side is in day, I just found absolutely stunning. And then, of course, he has to has to leave, which I find. Well, know. a lot of that footage that you mentioned, you know, that uh, the publicly available stuff. That's uh, you're right. It's too much. It's too much for primetime television, basically. But you know, you can find it on the web. You know, the bodies littering the ground and the blown up tanks and the actual attacks underway and everything else. That's coming off of commercial satellites with a couple of exceptions that I think I saw snuck in there because there's no possible way that the Maxar array would have been able to would have satellites good enough to pick up what they were detailing from there. So they snuck in a, you know, somebody in a military set picture and said, look. This is a picture of the mines, you know, because uh, the military satellites can find mines that are already buried underground. The commercial satellites are not are not quite that good. They don't they're not allowed to be. Uh, but, you know, you know, you'll look, you'll see a little Maxar chop on most of them, a uh, couple of others on some. And that's those those people couldn't all be complicit in some big uh, secret story. You know, they're commercial enterprises that it's whichever way it goes, it's, you know, it works in their favor because people are using their services. Uh, so they're, uh, you know, and the military data has got to be better. It always has to be better. And I, I only made one prediction about this, this um, stupid encounter. Cause I, I say stupid because I sympathize for the dead on both sides. There's probably some of the Russian army that I would think were horrible people and it's we're better off without them. But everybody's got their job to do. And if they're, you know, they think they're doing right. Well, I give uh, people in uniform, they get a little credit for me. But anyway, the uh, and most of them look just scared to death. They're just raw recruits. Um, That kind of a that kind of a mess doesn't come easily. Uh, But the uh, making up a fabrication to pretend that something like that is going on is just such a bigger job. It's, it's almost beyond comprehension and there'd be no purpose, you know, cui bono who, who gets anything good out of that. It's got to mean something. Of course, the Russians are lying. They do propaganda. Of course, the Chinese are lying for their own purposes about what their opinions about any of this stuff. Uh, Of course, our own intelligence agencies will manipulate things as, as they will. But there's got to be raw data in there that's solid, and somebody in Putin's position should have had access to it. Didn't Putin go on a soccer field before a game and explain to the Russian people why they went into Ukraine? Is that also staged? Putin said, oh, let me go ahead and work with these people and stage this whole thing? Oh, you mean at the stadium? It was a week or so ago? It yeah. wasn't too long ago. Yeah, and he's a, you see him standing there in a in a suitably warm jacket because I'm sure it's chilly in Moscow right now. Fourteen thousand dollars warm. Oh, that's a very warm jacket. Yes. I, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, he is an oligarch. What the hell? Uh, the yes, yes, and the re, the report from uh, the news services got it got to at least take the information in. Uh, was that they they were driving around in buses in the early morning, going um, 
come over to here. Get on bus. You're going to listen to President Putin. And they, they, they busloaded people in there just to get people in the stadium. And then shortly after he started speaking, uh, he had equipment problems. And uh, just imagine if you could do what Putin would do when his mic cuts off. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so while they were trying to sort that out, people started drifting away because nobody was paying attention to the people that had been brought into the stands. So the place was practically empty by the time he got to the main part of his speech. Mm. And that, again, is, is supported by social media stuff. You know, the um, Russians and their cell phones. So uh, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, people aren't buying the aren't buying it anywhere. I don't know. I heard, I heard the one stat, and of course I can't prove it, that said that the older people, like the post sixty generation in Russia, are the only ones that think that uh, this is the right thing to do, and that we've got to go clean out them Nazis and everything else. And the younger generation are have too much access to world news, and they're going, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> No. He the attitude that my uh, my nephew, who thinks the Earth is flat, takes on when you give him data about why the Earth isn't flat, and he just takes on an attitude of, "No, I'm right, you're wrong," and oh, gets very if, defensive. If Putin's supporters were half as adamant about their positions as the flat Earthers I've met, the Ukrainians wouldn't have a chance. Yeah, but, that's unfortunate, but true. Uh, yeah, I know, but that's I, I. There's anyway. Sorry, sorry, Keith. Yeah, no. Most of this is for home consumption in Russia. I think, you know, most of the, uh, and that's where a lot of the confusion's coming from. Because of course you're not going to get it straight from them. I mean, look at what that. How? Why would you make up something like that news anchor that came on set? on a live show on RT and said, uh, held up a sign that said, stop the war. And all the things that were, <clears throat> are going to happen to her. Uh, oh, yes. In oh, this, yes. In this uh, time-release aspirin. Again, I don't understand Rick's intellectual position because either you have to argue that everything you're seeing is fake or what you're seeing is so catastrophic and it's one guy's problem. He didn't have to do this. We're 60 seconds out from top of the hour, Rich. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay. I don't think we're going to solve this tonight. When we come back at the top of the hour, we're going to have Tim uh, Saunders with us. <clears throat> I kind of uh, gave Tim a mission, which is um, kind of unique to our time. I've been hearing an awful lot over the last several <clears throat> weeks about the Russian oligarchs and their toys. I mean, these humongous, exquisite, amazing super yachts. And those of you who have been following the show for a long time, since uh, I began this many, many years ago, many years ago, know I have this propensity of comparing uh, big ocean-going thingies, yachts, ocean liners, the SS United States, the QE2, um, some of these ships I've actually been able to uh, borrow, as an analog to spaceflight. And so as more of this conversation began, um, I began wondering about uh, 
was there a, a, a way we could talk about these these oligarch yachts as the kind of beginnings of what Elon Musk is going to to finish, which is private space-borne ocean liners of the interplanetary deeps. And uh, that'll open up a really interesting set of questions. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.